0: Bible study classes and other times when we've talked about such things, we have commented about what a difficult job it is to be parents. Parenting is a really, really hard job. don't want to discourage anybody, especially our young parents, but i tell you it's a real challenge in the world today to be good, godly, effective parents. It's a tough, tough job. And we've commented about that a number of times. But I'm going to tell you something else. It's tough to be a kid in today's world, too. We live in a very, very wicked world. Now, lots of evil influences, pressures on all sides. And it's tough. It's hard to be a young person in the world today trying to live for the Lord. And so that leads us to the question we want to discuss for a few minutes in our lesson this morning. We want to ask the simple question, Can a young person live right even in the midst of a wicked world? Uh, That's an important question to ask. I think we can look to the Scriptures for an answer. We especially encourage our young people to pay attention to the things that are said in the Word of God because these things address you and they address your kind of circumstance. But we all can learn from the things that God tells us. Parents, children, and even all who may not be in that relationship uh, can learn things that will help us all to be the kind of people God wants us to be. So that will be our study tonight. We stop here for a minute to thank you all for being here on this Lord's Day evening. Thanks for coming back. We're always encouraged to to be together on Sunday evening, to join together in studying from God's Word, to worship Him. We pray that He will be glorified. We pray also we'll all be edified. As was mentioned earlier, we have guests, and we're we're always glad to have visitors But why don't you come back just every time you have a chance to be here. And if you have any questions, uh, by all means, ask them. So what about this question? Can a young person live right even in the midst of a wicked world? We could answer that question and then just quit. We could say the answer to the question is yes. Uh, Yes, of course, young people can be faithful in the midst of a wicked world. Uh, But let's look at that a little more thoroughly. Yes, it's possible, and the fact of the matter is that there are many who have throughout time. For just a few moments, I want to just go back with you to think about some really notable characters in the Bible, young people who were faithful in tough times, because that's the challenge, right? It's not when the going is easy that's hard. It's when the going gets tough. That's the real test, and a lot of young people have succeeded in that. Have you ever thought about, for instance, Noah's sons? Uh, They were living in a really wicked world. We think we live in a bad world. It's not as bad as it was in the days of Noah, that's for sure. And And Noah was a faithful man and a faithful father, and he raised sons who could stand for what was right, even in that wicked world. You remember that when the flood began, in Genesis chapter 7, beginning verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and the same day entered Noah. But notice it mentions Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. And so not only was Noah a man who stood faithfully for God in very difficult times, trying circumstances his sons were also taking a stand for God and they were saved from the flood along with their father I would point out there's an example for you here's here's the sons of Noah now we know people lived a lot longer back then we know that Noah was 600 years old when the flood hit but his sons were his sons right and so they had grown up as young people I don't know they they had to be a good bit older than we would imagine now But they had to have been faithful in their youth, raised by their father, to serve God. Think of some others. We'll we'll try to go kind of quickly, but obviously an example that just stands out is the example of Joseph. you remember Joseph as a teenager was sold into slavery into Egypt? He ended up in the household of Potiphar. But he was a great young man and very efficient and a, and a loyal servant to his master, and his master elevated him to the highest rank in the house. He was, Joseph was in charge of everything. But, of course, the fly in the ointment was that Potiphar's wife had evil intentions toward Joseph, and she tried to entice him to commit sin, and Joseph refused in Genesis 39, beginning verse 7. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master, what not what, was it, what is with me in the house? And he hath committed all that, I, uh, all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And, of course, the phrase we always stress, and sin against God. He was loyal to his earthly master, but he was even more loyal to, to his heavenly master, and he said, how can I do this great sin against God? He, In the face of tremendous temptation and challenge, he stayed faithful to God. Can young people be faithful under really trying circumstances? Joseph did. Uh, young people today can too. What about Daniel? We always are encouraged by the example of Daniel. We know that again, Daniel was a young man, very likely uh, perhaps a teenager when he was carried away captive by the Babylonians. You remember the the Babylonians took three different groups of captives from Judea. The first group, uh, they took the nobles, the princes, and they took some promising young men that they thought that they could influence. The Babylonians did that. They tried to bring into their culture the peoples that they conquered. And so Daniel was among those that had been chosen for special grooming uh, by the the scriptures often refer to the Babylonians as the Chaldeans. To be trained in the ways of the Chaldeans, and so they were actually they weren't like tortured prisoners at all. They were being treated uh, very well. In fact, these young men that were they were going to try to bring them up in the ways of Babylon, and so in doing that, they they made provisions for them to have all the food they wanted, uh, special provisions. But some of the provisions that were being provided. For Daniel, and the others would have required them to violate the law of Mo- uh, the, the law of Moses that had dietary restrictions. there were things they couldn't eat as as faithful Jews, right? Some of the provisions being provided for them would have caused him to violate those principles. and so in Daniel chapter one verse eight, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. The expression here, that we always emphasize is that Daniel purposed in his heart. He made up his mind. He made a determination. I am not going to do that. Now, you've got to think that the pressures on him to comply, to do what others apparently were doing, uh, the pressure on him to just do as you're told and don't ask any questions. That's what, no, he's going to be faithful his God no matter what. He made his mind up. Young people today need to learn from that example. Just make your mind up, you're going to do the right thing, no matter what. Uh, If we make our minds up and then live by that, it really actually becomes easier for us because we're not challenged every time a decision comes up. We don't have to go through that process of debating what are we going to do. We've already got our mind made up. That's what Daniel did. And so make up your mind, purpose in your heart like Daniel did to be faithful to the Lord. And then, of course, in the immediate same time frame, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were also among those who were taken when Daniel was taken, also among those who were being trained and brought up in the ways of the Babylonians. In in a little bit later episode, uh, you remember Nebuchadnezzar set up an image, and uh, the instruction was given, when you hear the sound of, of certain musical instruments playing, You've got to bow down and worship the image. Well, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were not going to do that. You remember uh, in Daniel 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If so be, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They already knew what the, what the penalty was. The, if you don't bow down to the idol when you hear the music playing, you're going to be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, that's what's going to happen to you. I'm telling you right now, that's what's going to happen. If you don't bow down, that's what's going to happen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. No, it's, you can do what you want to do to us, basically. We're not, we're not ashamed. We're, we'll tell you like it is. And they said to this powerful king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was... Now, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was literally the most powerful man in the world at that time. And they said, we will not serve thy gods. You talk about a hard stand to take. And very literally, taking that stand, understanding, you're probably going to die. They're probably going to throw you in the furnace. And the fact of the matter is, they did throw him in the furnace, Right? But God delivered them from that. But I'll tell you, that would be a hard thing to do, wouldn't it? But they did, and they were faithful, and they stand as such a worthy example uh, for us, and especially for young people today. Be like Daniel. Be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just so that nobody would say, "Wow, well, you're talking about, about men. You're talking about all about young men. Uh, there were faithful young ladies, too, who served the Lord and. And one that just has to come to mind is Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was a young woman when she was specially chosen by God to be the mother of the Savior. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and then the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou, thou art no, it was highly favored. Uh, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And the angel said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Uh, we probably don't talk about that often enough. I mean, the Jews had been looking forward to the promised Messiah for centuries. And it's understood that every young woman considered the possibility that she might be the one who would give birth to the Messiah. Mary was chosen among all those Mary was chosen. She had to be totally exemplary. And so Mary stands as an example of a young woman who was faithful to the Lord. And then one more uh, not to weary you of the point here but the the again back here our our question answer is yes. And it's not just yes it could be done. Yes it's theoretically possible that you could serve the Lord faithfully in your young years. No, we're saying it's not only possible, but it's been done. And there are plenty of Bible examples of young people who were faithful, and we just will mention one more here, and that is Timothy. We know that Timothy, as a young man, joined Paul in his evangelistic work, and he joined Paul on the second missionary journey. We know Paul made three missionary journeys. But even after the end of the third missionary journey, Paul's work wasn't finished, and Timothy certainly wasn't finished. And so, then for years and years and years, Timothy served faithfully, working with and alongside of the apostle Paul. But it wasn't just that he was there—you know, just one of the, just one of of many. Paul said he stood above all the rest who helped him in his work. In Philippians chapter two, beginning verse nineteen, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Notice, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. So Paul had a lot of faithful co-workers, and he commends many of them in, in different epistles and so forth. But right here he says that nobody liked Timothy. No man like-minded. And so Timothy uh, was certainly an example of a faithful person. All right. Now, I think we could expand this list, but we'll stop right there for now. Just to confirm our answer. Our answer to the question is, can a young person live right even in the midst of a wicked world? And the absolute answer is yes. It's possible and it's been done. We live in hard times. We were saying earlier, it's hard. It's a hard time to be a, a faithful young person in this present world, but we should never excuse ourselves and say, "Therefore, not much is expected of me. I, I'm a young person in a bad world. Therefore, you'll ha- just have to excuse me." No. The, the people that we named here, many of them were living in very difficult times, and yet they more more I'd be ready to argue the case that's much more difficult than our time but they were faithful to the Lord and young people today can be faithful too. Now, let's point out that it's not easy. As we were, as we were already saying, it's not easy and, and, and there's some things that make it harder. One of the things certainly that makes it hard is that, that there's tremendous immorality in the society that we live in. Uh, now, we could reference lots of statistics here Uh, We could talk, and specifically we could reference statistics that document how young people are being affected by the evil society we live in. We could talk about the statistics concerning uh, illicit sexual activity. We could talk about the statistics that talk about alcohol and drug abuse Uh, uh, that are affecting young people. We could talk about pornography and the statistics about pornography and how young people are being so adversely affected by pornography, but we don't really even have to go there because the fact of the matter is you know how it is, right? You know it because you have heard those statistics recited over and over again, but even beyond that, young people know how bad it is and how wicked the society is by virtue of your own senses. You have seen it. You have known young people who've been involved in such things. And, it, and and so we don't have to do a lot of proving that we live in a really immoral society. And that makes it hard to be a faithful young person. In First Peter 4, beginning verse 3, Peter says, The time past of our lives may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walk in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable, abominable abominable idolatries. Notice, he says, "...wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you." So, Peter's basically saying, we used to live a certain way. Before we became disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we used to live a certain way. And and he says, the time past of our lives may suffice. If I was going to put that in my own words, Peter, I think, would say, we wasted enough of our lives living like that. When we were serving the, the, the things of the world, and before we became disciples of the Lord, we wasted our lives living like that. He says, we were walking that way. We were living that way. And we don't anymore. And he says, because of it, they think it is strange. I'll tell you, when young people, when you young people try to live right in this world, People are going to think you're strange. That's okay. It's always been that way, but and and don't shy away from that. Don't be afraid. If people think you're strange, that goes with the territory. You claim to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The people, if you're living like a disciple ought to live, people are going to think you are strange. And the fact of the matter is, as we've said many times, if they don't think you're strange, then you're probably not living like you should, because you live like a Christian should in this world. They're going to think you're strange. And not only that, they're going to speak evil of you. They're going to say bad things about you. Because you, by virtue of the fact that you're living like a person should, you sort of highlight the fact that they're not. And they don't like that to be brought out. Evil does not like the light to be shined upon it. And so you're actually, by living right, you're shining a light on the evil. Then they don't like that. That's going to make it hard. It's hard. We live in a really immoral society. That makes it hard. Certainly, we know peer pressure is there. We talked some about peer pressure this morning, and we understand what peer pressure is. It's how people, especially, when we talk about peer pressure, it's people of our own group. Peer pressure for young people primarily comes from other young people. So other young people are pressuring, pressuring you to be like they are. They're trying to get you to do what they do, to think like they think, to dress like they dress, to talk like they talk, to go to the places they go. They're pressuring you to conform. That's what peer pressure is. We understand that. That's why it's so important, and we stress this so much. It's so important, especially for young people. Be careful of, of your friends. Be careful of the people that you associate with. First Corinthians 15, verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's an almost 2,000-year-old statement right there. But it couldn't be any more true today, right? It's still true. You're around bad people, that'll get you to do bad things. It's always been the case. And so young people, be very careful because peer pressure makes it all the harder to be faithful to the Lord. And then let me suggest to you that another thing that can make it hard for young people to do right is when they see hypocrisy among other Christians when they see christians uh, maybe other young people who are christians who are being hypocritical uh, that that hurts i tell you when they see old older people being hypocritical that that hurts uh, as well when when you see other christians and they're not living right then that really has a, has the potential to wear you down and say why should i even try why, what what's the use well that 's a sad reality, but true they 're going to be unfaithful christians we 're going to be we 're going to be around them and there, and there's going to be and we 're going to have to overcome the disappointment and discouragement that happens when we see other Christians not living right and but again that 's always been the case we, we could reference lots of places that show that there were Christians of the first century who were really struggling to live right one that sort of Pops up in mind quickly is the case of the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, beginning verse 14. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The Christians at Laodicea were lukewarm. Wouldn't you say that indicates that they were hypocritical? They were claiming one thing but not living it? They weren't being faithful to the Lord. And you've got to believe that if you were around that, if you you were a young person in Laodicea and the whole church was lukewarm, not doing what they ought to have done, it would have been a tremendous discouragement. It's a discouragement. makes it harder to be faithful when you realize that there are Christians, young and old, who are not living what they claim. They're not practicing what they preach. Okay. It's not easy. So how are we going to do it What are the resources that we would employ then, and that we would encourage you young people to employ? What are the resources that can help a young person be faithful in this wicked world? Well, first of all, God's Word is there, and it's a primary resource. I I can't say that strongly enough. It is the primary resource. You want to live right? Here's, Here's your resource book. This is sort of the instruction manual that will help you do everything you need to do. Go to the Word of God. In the text that Mark read for us earlier in Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? There's the question. That's almost exactly the question we're talking about tonight, right? Wherewithal or how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Probably should have included verse 11 in that text too because the psalmist goes on to say, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, So the Word is a primary resource to help young people keep from sinning. So dive into it. Be really a, a thorough student of the Word. The more that you are into the Word of God, the stronger you will be Uh, And so, use the word of God as a resource. We often use the example of Jesus when he was tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, we won't read all of that, but in Matthew chapter 4, we read about Jesus being tempted by Satan. He was tempted three times, three different ways. Notice, he answered, it is written. He answered to him, it is written again. Jesus said to him, get thee hence Satan, for it is written. Tempted three times, three different ways. His answer to all three temptations was to refer to the Word of God. Jesus drew strength from the Word of God to keep him from sinning. Young people need to do that same thing. So again, let me suggest to you a primary, the primary resource uh, is the Word of God. We would couple that with that prayer to God. Some, uh, we've, we probably have oversimplified this, but we have said the Word of is God speaking to us, prayers us speaking to God. That may be an oversimplification, but it sort of tells the tale. Speak to God. Tell Him your needs. He, he has invited those of us who are Christians to come boldly before His throne in Hebrews chapter 4. That's an amazing thing, that God invites us all to come before His throne, to make our petitions before Him prayers and prayer can be a great help you're facing a particular challenge something really difficult that you're, you're some some temptation that you're having difficulty with prayer is a powerful tool in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus was teaching how we ought to pray he said in Matthew 6 verse 9 after this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name but notice He included, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus said in your prayers, include this, that God would help you in dealing with temptation. There you have it, right? Jesus said, there's a help. You need help? You're struggling to be a a faithful child of God in the midst of a wicked world? Use prayer as an example. And then I would also add that faithful brethren serve as a positive, powerful resource for you when you're trying to do the right thing. Now, we already talked about the fact that there are bad influences among some who are Christians. That makes it hard. But I want to tell you there's some positive examples that you know as Christians. They are faithful brethren. And let those faithful brethren... Uh, be a help to you as you try to live right. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have us for an example. Notice, Paul says, he says, follow me, and follow them who walk, so as you have us for an example. In other words, notice these people. The, the idea of mark them is notice these people. So even right here in the church at College U, there are people here who, who are a, a positive example of folks who are trying to live right to do the will of God in their lives. Notice these people, observe them, imitate them. Uh, that's a positive resource. Now, I'm going to tell you that uh, some, of those, some of those people that you might notice are some of your own peers, some other young people in the church here. And you can notice those young people. But I'm going to tell you, don't don't limit your view to just your peers when you're looking for someone who can be a strength and resource to you. Look to those who are older. We've got older folks here who've lived a long life of service to the Lord. Look to them. Don't discount the positive encouragement that older folks can give young people who are trying to live faithfully. But certainly, uh, faithful brethren can be a great resource. All right, so here's, our, here's the answer to our question. You knew the answer before we started, right? Can a young person live right even in the midst of a wicked world? Absolutely, positively, yes. All through the ages, people have done it. Young people have done it. It's not easy. We acknowledge that. And there's some things that make it harder. But God has made some promises, and he will help. Through his word, through prayer, through the influence of faithful brethren, it can be done. Finally, we conclude with just one more observation, and that's this. Never forget that choices have consequences. I know you've heard that uh, lots of times, but we would just urge you to keep that ever in your mind. Choices have consequences. You make good choices, and good things will happen as a result of that. You make the kind of choices that keep you doing the will of God, being faithful to Him, living like you should, you make good choices, good things will follow. You make good choices, good things will happen to you. But I want to tell you the other side of that coin is you make bad choices and it's going to bring hurt and heartache into your life. That's a guarantee. You make bad choices, bad things follow. Never forget that the choices that you make will come back to roost. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Choices have consequences. That's what Paul's saying right there. That's a familiar text to us, but he's exactly saying that, isn't it? Your choices, good or bad, are going to bear fruit, and they're going to come back to roost. Make good choices. Choices have consequences. Well, young people, again, we acknowledge that it's not easy to serve God faithfully in this modern world. We know that that's true. Uh, we're sympathetic with the challenges that you're facing and the things you're, that you that you that you have to deal with. But we want to encourage you, make your mind up. Be like Daniel, purpose in your heart that you're going to be faithful Lord. Make your mind up. Don't don't keep battling that every day. Every circumstance comes along, you have to Make your decision over Make your mind up now and live faithfully for the Lord. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you are in any need of our help to make your life right with God, whether that be initially obeying the gospel or if you're a Christian and you need the prayers of the saints, if we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.